Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast, coming at you on February 3rd. Thank you for the love and support so far to those who have been with us and to those who are new to this journey and adventure. I just will have to say that it has been an ultimate privilege to be able to do this podcast and to partake in this adventure collectively. Uh, This is not something I can do by myself, and to hear your feedback is something that's critical to the overall success of this entire platform. So please keep sharing it and how you can do that. The best way to connect with the show is to send us email at wsnspodcast at gmail.com or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much basically wherever you listen to a podcast. So thank you in advance. Alrighty, so now on to the main point this week, this interview which I have been anticipating pretty much for the last uh, couple weeks. This is something truly special. I think one of the many reasons why I enjoyed my time with these ladies is because I think the aspects we talk about here are very much overlooked by our culture, uh, which one of them mainly is the sacrifice and dedication of mothers. Uh, Personally, I have the best mother a son could ever ask for. We have a very strong bond. And our relationship, firstly, is rooted in Christ. What I am excited about this week is to see that exact same thing come to fruition in this wonderful conversation that I had with these women. And it was a privilege to hang out with them for a couple of hours. And I think you are going to just take this in and have so many notes, so many questions, and it's going to fill your living rooms with conversation. I think this will spark your interest and spark a debate on how we interact with our children. Do we give mothers enough care and attention and gratitude? The, the passion that you'll hear from these women, their commitment and sacrifice, it, it, they all have this commentary and it exudes from every fiber of their being and it is nothing short of inspirational. So during this podcast, you will hear us talk about their shared love of homeschooling, kids and children in general, and then Jesus Christ first and foremost. I believe every Christian from every walk of life will be able to take at least something away from this episode. So, without further delay, here is my discussion with Jessica Perry, Helen Hill, and Miriam Jin. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Uh, I want to wish you... uh, Helen, right? Helen, a happy birthday. I know we just we just met. I mean, we go back so far. And so uh, you're 25 tomorrow. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but uh, for those who will be uh, tuning in and not just wishing you a happy birthday, we have Jessica Perry, uh, Helen Hill, and Miriam Jin. Am I saying that right? Yep. Uh, with us. So, uh, so ladies, thank you uh, for, for taking the time this evening to be here. This is so cool. This is one of my most anticipated things of like the whole year already. So um, what I'd like to do before we get started is just introduce yourselves just briefly. I would like basically maybe the, the, the I don't know, the facts and figures of your family, because uh, that's something we're going to be talking about. If we can start with you, Miriam. Okay. Um, my name's Miriam, and um, I'm married to my husband, Matt. We've been married for um, 15 years, right. and we moved to Spring Arbor um, almost eight years ago from okay. Indiana, where we met. We have five kids um, ranging from 11, basically every two years, down to almost three. So two boys and 
three girls. All right. That's excellent. And so where were you, like, were you born? I was, I'm from Spring Arbor. You are Spring Arbor. Yeah. I okay. just went to college in Indiana. Okay. And that's where I met my husband. So, awesome. What, yeah. What's, what school was that? Um, Taylor University. Uh, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. Had, Good had a few friends from Western okay. uh, attend that, yeah. that university. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, well, thank you and welcome. Thanks. And how about you, Miss Helen? Um, my name is Helen, yeah. and I actually am also married to a Matt. <laughs> We've been married 16, almost 17 years. Yep, I think so. And um, we have four kids, ages 13 to 6. And um, we moved to Spring Arbor in 2011. Okay. My husband teaches at the university, Spring Arbor University. And oh, who, who is he? His name is Matthew Hill. Matthew Hill. Okay, yep. so okay, that uh, just want to make sure for everyone who's sure. in Spring Arbor listening that yeah. there is that connection. Yeah, and um, yeah, I grew up actually overseas. My parents oh. were missionaries at the time in the Middle East, so I lived there until I came to college in two thousand, where I met my husband, and that was in Rochester, New York. Okay, wow. Where, where at overseas? In the Middle East. Just oh, just Middle East. Okay, yep. okay excellent. Mm -hmm. right, that's uh, I'm gonna come back to that. So that that's actually really cool. <laughs> Well, welcome. Thank you. And what about you, Miss Jessica? Uh, Jessica Perry, and I'm married to Mike for 15 years. We have six children. Our oldest, Jordan, is 13. Our youngest, Claire, is almost two, and basically every two years in between. And uh, Mike and I both grew up in the Jackson area. I went to Spring Arbor University. I received a teaching degree and taught for about four years before we started having children. Hmm. A lot of children here in this room. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Michael. I have none. Uh, that, so that's one of the things that I, I want to talk about uh, tonight as we as we go into this, because I think it's an opportunity not just for me to learn, but other people to learn, like, why why do you have so many kids? What what's, What is it about homeschooling and, and being a mother that, at least from, I guess I'd say, indirect testimony and direct testimony and witnessing with you, Jess, that uh, you, you enjoy it and you're dedicated and you are beloved by your family members. And so I think that is incredibly important today, especially with the amount of homes that are experiencing a lot of separation and loss. And so for us Christians, like what, what, is, what does a family unit look like nowadays? Uh, but before I get into that, I'll, I want to do the same thing I did with your husband, uh, Jess, is just briefly, like, were you all raised, I mean, you just, you just mentioned Helen, so I guess we can start with you. You were raised overseas by missionaries, so the church and how you came to Christ, that, that was just part of your life then, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't actually especially remember when I received Christ in my heart, but I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say probably throughout 12 years and then maybe when I was in high school, again in college, just had different turning points in my faith where I took it to be something of my own and not just my parents. Um, yeah, so that yeah. was my experience. And so coming back here then from the Middle East, was that just just, just the move just to come back to school and, and yeah. be here? Okay. Yeah, so my parents are both American, and so we would come to the U.S. for a furlough every three years or so for the summertime, and that was not actually to Michigan, although my dad's stepmother um, lived in Traverse City, so sometimes right. we would come up to the upper part of the <laughs> up north. And then uh, the rest of the time, we were just, like, visiting churches. Sure. So. Yeah, Traverse mm -hmm. City is really nice. 
Yeah. That, that, what a what a cool place to, yeah. to be connected to. Yeah. So when we knew we were moving to Michigan, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And so and so you met your husband, you said in Rochester? Yep. And so like what was was Rochester? Was that school? Then? So actually there was a missionary nurse uh, living in the country where we were when I was in high school that had gone to Roberts Wesleyan where I went to school. Um, they are known for their nursing program and she just um, listed it as an option of places to apply to when I was thinking about going into medicine. Mm -hmm. And so um, I applied. And actually, it was not a school that I was going to go to, but through God's providence, <laughs> ended up there. <clears throat> so to my husband's joy, I guess. <laughs> That's great. Well, a little beautiful testimony to making your way here and and here you are now. This That's many, right. Yeah, this, this some many of my good later. buddies. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll, we'll certainly get into. Uh, Jess, I know your your story a little bit. I guess for those who who might not hear it, what what is your like journey uh, to to Christ? How did how did God work um, in you to get you to where you are today? Okay, so I did not grow up in a Christian home. In high school, I happened to have a great group of friends who were going to youth group. I started going to Spring Arbor. Free Methodist youth group with them, and um, we had a great youth pastor, an amazing youth group at the time, and um, I remember it was my junior year of high school, and everything just felt very real to me with mm. God, and the worship especially, like it just changed my heart, and I remember going home and just, you know, asking the Lord to be in my heart. I wanted to start reading my Bible and learn more, and I was dating Mike, and he had a great Christian family. That was very influential in um, who I am today. I went to a Christian university, Spring Arbor University, and um, I studied the Bible a lot. I was a part of Bible studies, and I guess, you know, just from there, I was really, um, I just was really transformed in, in who I was growing up, so. Mm -hmm. uh, excellent. Mm -hmm. And here you are now and uh, I just had dinner at your house mm -hmm. and I can tell you you and Mike are doing a great job I wish Thank I could you, I wish I could testify to to, to both <laughs> you you too Helen Miriam but uh if there anything like I've heard and and been bragged about I would love to have that opportunity at some point <laughs> especially we all, we're all famous after the millions of followers we'll get from that's this podcast right, that's right <laughs> um uh, Miriam how um with your with your five kids and you know growing up um you know raising them in a Christian home how, how did you um, how were you raised? Uh, were you were you raised in a in a church at all? Yeah, okay. um, I grew up in Spring Arbor. My dad's a professor at the university, okay. and just you know, went to Sp Sp the Free Methodist Church since I was born, and um, yeah, so accepted Christ at a young age. But then it was through youth group in middle school that I Excellent. actually made it my own, and then. Um, my family did, like we lived in California for a year and um, then I decided to go to boarding school in high school because I just needed something different. And so um, just the path that God took me was unique, but it like he was always there with me. And I, there were definitely times that it was much easier to be a Christian and times that like God was all that I had in a secular environment. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, and then going to college at Taylor University was just like, this warm, inviting, like everyone is so nice to mm -hmm, me, you know? Sure. And so, yeah. So that, and that's where I met my husband. So. Excellent. And so like, so it's always been a part of, of all of us. I mean, you don't know my, my background, which is less important, but I, I can share the same, same thing. And the one thing that ties us all together is that, you know, that moment when maybe your faith is not your own, you have to make that 
that choice and you know especially with youth group there's that connection mm -hmm. if you can make it there and then going on maybe to school or, or someplace else and that what seems to be very important and knowing how old your oldest uh, children are I, I would imagine that you're probably thinking or trying to put yourself in the same same place as them is like what does their faith look like because I remember mm -hmm. being that age right does that make yeah, exactly mm -hmm. um, so um, one of the things that I wanted to ask because because of uh, what what you three are doing with your children? I know you're part of a homeschool co-op. Is that is that how you all met? How how did you all meet? Uh, well, we met before. Okay. I think you and I we met lived, before in the neighborhood, right? Yep. So I okay. was living. Yeah, I was living in the neighborhood. Miriam moved in. Okay. I met her, and we started chatting about um, probably we were, we were going to start homeschooling yeah. this year. Yeah, and it was. Awesome to have that in common. Yeah. And then I had, I think I had mentioned, I think we're going to start at this Classical Conversations co-op. And you said, I think we are too. I yeah, because I had met Helen like the same okay. few weeks. It was right when we moved in and she had told me about it. And I had heard about it through the grapevine from my sister, but mm -hmm. didn't even know there was one starting. And so mm -hmm. we were all in this like first year first of this year. Mm -hmm. Um Classical Conversations starting in Parma. So what year would that have been? 2013. 13, okay. So what, what is Classical Conversations? I, I don't know what it is. I, I have no idea. Well, it's a, it's a classical Christian co-op okay. um, that bases uh, most of the learning on memory work, so recitation of certain areas um, in you know, Latin, English, math, geography, um, history, history, science. Um, I'm missing one. Fine arts. Time, timeline. Yeah, understanding our place in the timeline. Okay. And so, yeah, um, every year, well, actually, it, that the classical conversation re repeats itself every three years. So the kids are introduced to the material and they memorize it and then they see it again three years later. It's the same material, but they're a little older and they can approach it differently. So, but they start when they're really little. And so then they okay. like just are memorizing all these things that they don't even know what they are. But sure. then they, the understanding comes later. Mm -hmm. The memorization comes first. Okay. And yeah. so it's based on, I mean, classical education has been around for ages <laughs> since sure. the ancient Greeks, but it's based on the idea that um, children's development in their early years, they can just absorb so much and pair it back so much, but not necessarily have analytical or critical thinking. And then as they develop into the next um, stages of development, they can they can do more of that. So okay. And so, like, what what ages does this uh, co-op cover? Like, like what's the Four start? Four to. 18. Okay, really? Oh, mm -hmm. That's curriculum for, for everyone then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It changes when you, like, more is added when you get to fourth grade and then mm -hmm. seventh grade. Okay. So, so, that, so that, uh, that's great because that, that seems to be a little bit different because I, I had no experience in homeschool. I'm an only child, but I had no experience with that. And homeschooled mm -hmm. people were always the outcasts of, you were homeschooled? <laughs> so there might be a lot of people out there who might listen to this and say, well, wait a minute, uh, what, what is homeschooling? Like, they have this preconceived notion of what it is. So what, what are some of the, like, the misnomers that are out there that, that maybe as you got into it with your kids, that maybe there was, was there any apprehension or any trepidation you had, but then all of that was like slowly melted away to, because of like the uniqueness of homeschooling? 
Well, I was homeschooled. Oh, okay. So to me, it was normal, but my husband was public school the whole way through. All five kids in his family were. So he was very uh, apprehensive, but okay. we were we just kind of made a deal. We'll do this one year. He's four years old. Sure. Okay, like it's this or nothing, you know? Yeah. And so like... Let's just see what happens. And so it's just been kind of like one year at a time, and he's kind of gotten on board each year. When they're four, there's, you don't do very much, and it kind of builds every year. Mm-hmm. And so um, just you, you kind of grow with the curriculum. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, well, I'm just trying to think of, like, what, like, biases I would have, or like, when I'm picturing in my mind what homeschooling is. So Socialization. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that Mike and I had never even talked homeschooling, you know, when we started having kids. And it was time for kindergarten roundup for Jordan. And I just, I guess I just didn't have a piece in my heart about it. And I started Mm. talking homeschooling with somebody, I can't remember who, and they placed a book in my hands called The Well-Trained Mind. (laughs) And I read a lot of it in one day. And Mike came home from work one day. We were very close to that kindergarten roundup time. And I said, I've been reading and praying all day, and I think we're supposed to homeschool. And he said, oh, we're supposed to what? <laughs> oh, we don't know anybody that homeschools. And, you know, and so I said, you know, let's just give it a try for this one year. And I still oh. remember that entire year when somebody would ask Mike and I, so is Jordan at Western? <laughs> he would say, Jess is just trying this homeschooling this yeah. year, and then they'll probably go to Western. And so anyways, the rest is history. I mean, we're still homeschooling. Jordan right. is seventh grade this year. And um, the socialization, I think that's what Mike was most worried about and I thought about too. Sure. But honestly, like we have something going on every day of the week and I'm often saying, you know, we need to, you know, limit what we're doing in the week. We have too many social, you know, sure. uh, events going on. So, Yeah, I know a little bit about your life. It's, it's pretty busy. It's not really, you know, not really lax at all. No, no. I mean, the kids are very well socialized homeschooling. <laughs> I, I, I can testify to that for sure. That's so funny, Jess. I had no idea that you also had read The Well-Trained Mind and that got you on it. Because I know I talked with Miriam about it and that she had, that was the book that I read too. Okay. Um, Connor, my oldest, was probably three or maybe, yeah, because it was before we even moved to Michigan. And uh, uh, one of our good friends from college, his wife was homeschooled and his, her mom had read The Well-Trained Mind and she just recommended it as a really good book. And so I was like, oh, I'll just read this. And I was like, oh, wow, I got to try this, mm-hmm. you know, but it's always been a, one year at a time. I'm never going to commit mm-hmm. to it being till the end because mm-hmm. you just don't know what life's going to do or bring or, you know. Or how many kids you'll end up having. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how can we keep this going? So I think the other... I mean, we when we were first married, we were like, no, we're not going to homeschool. Mm. We, similar to what you're saying, we had, oh, homeschoolers are weird. Sure. You know? Yeah. But when my when we first were married, my husband is a pastor, and we were working in ministry with a youth group, and there were some kids in that youth group that were homeschooled that just, I don't know, there was just something about those kids that just kind of started us also thinking, like, oh, this may be not be that bad. Mm-hmm. But our, our biggest resistance that we have met have been people asking about like, what about sports? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. probably because my oldest is a boy too. <laughs> like it's just constantly the question of like, how can you do homeschooling and what about sports? So 
Yeah. Now that, that actually is going to be one of the questions I had. Were, were you met when you all decided to do this? Any opposition, like from friends or family, a lot of like judgment or saying, are you sure you want to do this? Like, because, you know, homeschooling's weird, mm -hmm. you know? So, so, yeah. so Miriam says, no. no, no, that's good. No. Actually. Nobody came out and said that, but sometimes you could sense it yeah. oh, from okay. friends that's, or family. I would say, I would yeah. say probably from my in-laws, a little bit of suspicion and, and sports was a big piece. Maybe not so much about our competence as parents to be able to teach right. them, um, but more just like, these are our grandchildren. Are you going to mess them up forever? <laughs> I feel like, though, if you start early enough, so like if you start when your child is four, and then he can read by like the time he's five or six, they're oh my, like, yeah. wow. Like, you know, and like if your child's <laughs> like really smart, you don't really do anything, you know? And so then mm -hmm. it kind of speaks for itself and they can yeah. see that. Your child is normal. I feel like homeschooling gives us more time to do sports. Oh, sure. Like yeah. we would never be able to do the things that we've been able to do. It's like multiple days after school in the afternoon for multiple hours. And if my kids were in school all day, mm -hmm. we would not do that. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, would do, that would have to be, you know, when you're, you're given an assignment in a classroom and you're given the same amount of time as everyone else to finish it, and you don't have the opportunity to work ahead, or for those people who are struggling, it, you have, I mean, the teacher, that the burden on the teacher is to play the middle in a way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with, when you can have a personalized lesson plan for somebody and they can do their work and then also have extra resources to pursue if they are excelling, hey, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's something that, you know, in schooling for me, which I love, that, that was some, something I, I knew from my friends who home, who were homeschooled that that type of environment was alien for me, and so that, that's really cool to see mm -hmm. um, how you know there's so many more resources now than I would imagine like from 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Um, what to, what's the name of that book again that you all read? The Well Trained Mind. Well Trained Mind. Who is that by? Susan Weisbauer. Yeah. Okay. It's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. okay. Just even yeah. starting things like with your toddlers that you can do to teach them. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's... I can teach them about math. Just like, you know, at the grocery store. Or... Sure. So. Yes. so I'm going to, that would be for, for people, for a resource um, if they are interested. Because I have some friends who um, who are new mothers, expecting mothers, who will be, you know, having their kids. And some are actually, they're, they are contemplating this very Thing right now uh, for this coming fall. So I, I guess what would what would your your advice be for those those mothers and fathers in this particular situation? Well, I don't think that we should not talk about some other people that we really get a lot of our information from, and that is Sally Clarkson. Okay. She is a podcaster, an author, Christian author, um, and her resources for just motherhood in general is. Are, are amazing, but then she has a lot of homeschooling encouragement and um, as well as also Sarah McKenzie. She runs the Read Aloud Revival podcast, which is so inspiring for anyone that wants to start very even early with kids and reading aloud to them and the benefits of reading and, um, and being together as a family and mm -hmm. cultivating that culture mm -hmm. of being together, mm -hmm. which is honestly like the best side effect right. of mm -hmm. homeschooling. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. my kids' mm -hmm. best friends are their siblings. Mm -hmm. And so, and these kids too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The, um, what, one of the things I, I would, I'm being curious about for, is there any like warning or is there any advice you would have given yourselves before you, you took the plunge into homeschooling? Because I'd imagine that if someone 
you know, ha- has kids and has multiple kids and they're, they're thinking about whether they should put them in private public schools or they should homeschool, I would imagine that's not a decision they should take lightly. Uh, so if you could just maybe speak to those who are like, yeah, maybe I should do it, but I don't want to put in that much effort because, I mean, you all are effect- effectively, you know, teaching as well, not just mothering. And some, some people, they don't want to have that role. So uh, is, is homeschooling for everyone or is there, okay, no, it's not for everyone. I think it's totally a calling. Okay. I mean, I, if, if you, if it isn't a calling, then, then you're not going to have the passion to do it. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so God puts it on people's hearts for it to be something that, you know, then they'll do because if you're forced to do something, you are going to resent it mm-hmm. and it's not going to come with all the passion that you require to be able to do it day in day out. When most of the time in February, we all want to pull out our hair and throw <laughs> away all the books and just send them to yeah. public school. So it has to be something deeper than just like, you know, this is, this is for all of us. And I think you need to have an amazing community, which is one of the reasons we Mm -hmm. stuck with it was that my kids' best friends were homeschooling. So Mm -hmm. to put them in a different school would be taking them away from their closest friends. Mm -hmm. And so um, if like, if you know people that are going to do it and you like, you, you can't really do it on your own. I think that's really hard, but you can Mm -hmm. always find a community, but it's just easier when your community is right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that because that's that's probably uh, one of the, the things that people would would say against it is that maybe I don't have a passion, maybe I don't have um, this time to do it for whatever reasons. Because I can't imagine a lot of single mothers or single single fathers have that luxury to try to support their family. So, are are there things that maybe if you have a child and you and you have the time to do it, um, or excuse me, if you don't have the time to do it, but there's things that you can do outside of school because there's people that have, they're always concerned about what their children are learning in the classroom. So what would you say to those people who, you know, their, their kids are in uh, a traditional school, but they, they want to go uh, like above above that. Is, that. is that book you recommend something, uh, like a resource for them as well? Uh, if they I would say do yes, more? for oh, sure. Okay. Sure. And she even has another book, right? Um, yeah. un- is it Unschooled or what's oh, her? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, oh, not unschooled. Called? It's school un... I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but it, it talks about, like, that homeschooling isn't necessarily the only way, uh, but here's ways to make school work for everyone. And so she goes through, like, you know, if your kid is public schooled, what are different things that you can do to help them find God's calling for themselves or maximize the gifts that God's given them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I, I can't. Remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't you, you can. You're allowed to look stuff up. So <laughs> while you while you do yeah. that, uh, Jess, is there is there something that you would you would say to people who want to do more outside of their uh, their traditional I, schooling for their kids? I, my advice would be read, read, and read some more with your kids. Okay. Um, some of these names they're talking about, they they just highly recommend sitting down and reading aloud to your kids, even as your kids get older. I'm still mm-hmm. reading to Jordan, and he's 13 years old. We're reading 101 Dalmatians by the recommendation of Miriam. Um, but I sit down with all of my kids and I, I try to you know, read to them for a half an hour every day, read aloud, because not only is it good for them, but it's, it's like a bonding time for us. And I think it cultivates so much of what we're doing. And uh, so that would be my, my biggest recommendation. Excellent. Lots of reading. Did you get that name? Or the other name of the book there? It's loading, I think. Oh, it is. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. No, that, that's fine. Yeah, we'll the, come uh, back around to uh, it. Yeah. So, Miriam, is is there something uh, specifically 
when we're talking about uh, traditional schooling, is there something maybe that that traditional schools, besides maybe sports, offer that like home like homeschool co-ops and, and organizations are, are starting now to catch up to? Uh, with you, you talked about community support resources, that's mm-hmm. come a long way. Yeah, I know personally in the last sure. couple decades. Is there something that that um, is is new and being more innovative now uh, with homeschooling? That's that still trying to catch what traditional schooling offers as far as uh, resources go? Well, I mean, schools have way more resources. Mm-hmm. And when you have like one dedicated teacher in a classroom and that's, she's only teaching one age. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest frustration with homeschooling multiple children is yeah, you, right. you have to split your time, right, you know? Exactly. And so just, I mean, there's way more resources. I mean, home homeschool. Yeah, that's my answer. No, no, that's no problem. No, that's fine. Yeah, I mean that that would be one of the battles. But uh, I mean, again, though, what would you what you make up for in the lack of resources is the time uh, that you can oh, give sure. uh, mm-hmm. to a child. You know, and you don't have to split your time between you know twenty other of the same yeah. ages and who might be struggling with the same material. Uh, so you have different levels of like, well, I don't understand this math problem or this solution to this yeah. this answer. Well, that might just be one kid. Now you have, you know, 14, 15 other kids who have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one thing about homeschooling is it does not take very much time. Mm-hmm. So, you, that, oh my gosh, that that's a great that's a great point. So, I mean, like you can get your school done in a few hours, I mean, depending on the age, and then you have the whole day to pursue creative interests or play or read or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's the envy of a lot of kids out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a huge thing for me was just, like, hearing about if we had sent our kid to public school in Indiana, like, every Friday they watch a movie. And, you know, just, like, whole day kindergarten, I don't know. I just, I thought my, I thought my kids would be tired and just a waste of time. Like, I can do this at home Mm -hmm. and they can still play a lot. Yeah, of course. I can speak to that a little bit, just that one-on-one time. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a school teacher of third grade, um, I had, I think I had 26 kids in my class. And I can't possibly know Mm. the gaps that are happening with each of them. And, you know, with homeschooling, if somebody has a problem, I'm able to nip it right then and there, you know, and get them working on it. So it's such a huge advantage, you know, to be able to know that there are no gaps in their learning right now, Mm -hmm. as long Mm -hmm. as you're confident in the curriculum and what you're doing. <laughs> right, of course. The um, that's one of my one of the things I'm 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 noticing, at least amongst your children, is it, they are quick. The the critical thinking happens very quickly. And uh, when I was when I was at dinner on I was at on Monday night. I was we were trying to I was trying to give them a donation. They didn't know what the word donor was or donate was, and I was explaining to them just a simple business transaction because that's what you're doing. And there, I saw that learning in that moment, just like the, like just putting all the puzzle pieces together. And it was cool to see that happen really quickly. So I, I think you're fostering that that development very well. I, that, again, I can I can witness that and, and say keep it up, like because mm-hmm. I, I think I, I have gained yeah I've gained a new appreciation. Uh, for homeschooling just based on conversations I've had with her husband because it's like I I had a lot of misconceptions about it and mm-hmm. it's, it's something I'm unfamiliar with but my, my best friend at, at college and roommate uh, was the best man in his wedding was homeschooled and even though I will say to this day he's really weird uh, but he's <laughs> far smarter than I am and so I think I think there is something here that I think it deserves more uh, of of the limelight in my opinion 
Um, and for people who are called, I mean, you know, Mir Helen, getting back to you, you said it was a calling. Uh, I just wonder if people are, are suppressing that calling or if they're not even considering it. I know that a lot of times people will say, well, I could never do that. I'm not mm -hmm. smart enough, mm -hmm. you know. Oh my, that's probably the number and, one and, thing I hear. And, or I never went to college or. Or I'm not a teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, there is quite a lot of information out there that's open book ready. Yeah. <laughs> so you just open the lesson and <clears throat> it says, instructor say this, here's mm -hmm. the kid's response. So those baby steps at the beginning just can really get you going when you don't really know what to do. And then, you know, recommendations like we've given already have so many resources of how to start and how to organize your day. And, and then you just do it little by little and you mm -hmm. find your groove. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we happen to follow a little bit of a classical bent to our education, but that doesn't mean that that's the only way to homeschool. Sure, and so other other people might do, you know, you just buy the whole homeschooling box unit that's mm -hmm. got all the stuff planned out ready for you to go. And then other people maybe prefer more of an unschooled method where it's like just more learn as the child shows interest in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I see you have some notes here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you have here for, for, uh, for us? Well, I, I, when you had written down the words of wisdom for those pursuing a career or devoted mothers. I think that was one of the questions. Yeah. Um, the, the quote that came to my mind is a quote that I've had even before I had kids, and it's Frederick Buechner, and he writes, the place God calls you is the place where your deep desire and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. And to me, that's like, that's just how you can constantly bring yourself back to, am I in the place that God's put me? Mm. Am I at peace with this decision? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, do my desires align with God? So if you're pursuing a career and that's where God's calling you, that's not wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And sure. so I don't want us to come across today as shunning that. Oh, but no. at the same time, if you feel called to be at home with your kids and doing homeschooling, then then God's going to give you that deep hunger for that, mm -hmm. you know, because his hunger is to bring us all, you know, into a relationship with him and in a family where there's love and all of the fruits of the spirit, that's going to grow. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I, I think as a surprise, hopefully I can get this right here. Based on, based on that answer, I think this is the right one. <laughs> <laughs> that deserves a round of applause. Oh, yeah. oh, can you read that, that quote one more time? Sure. The place God calls you is the place where your deep desire and the world's deep hunger meet. Deep hunger meet. So, I mean, and that can be, brought into any area of life, right? Mm -hmm. What does God want for the world? Yeah. You know, salvation for all of us. For you know, sure. Not just some of us. Yeah. <laughs> so how can that drive us in our day-to-day? -day? Yeah, you mentioned that that peace, and that was the decision that I, that was like the common thread when you were all sharing like mm -hmm. the why here. And that all comes through study of God's word and prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to decisions about your children, I, I can imagine... I did the, imagine how much you pray for your children. And I know that from my, my own mother, uh, my mom is one of the most beautiful women I know. And like the, the power of a mother's prayer uh, for her children is something that I, I think the church needs to foster more. Uh, and when it comes to uh, being a mother, that's one of the things I wanted to ask 
And so as, as I transition here just a little bit, uh, what, what is it, when you all talk about your upbringings in the church, like what has your relationship with God taught you about being a mother? What, what, has, what has growing closer to God brought, brought out in you as, as a mother specifically? Because I, I don't, I have nothing to offer on that. I mean, I could not do it without the Lord's help, mm-hmm. especially with homeschooling. It's, it's really hard. Sure. It, I mean, and as you get more children, you, you, you have to give a lot of yourself, which before I had kids, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but then it's, it's, it's just very full and it's amazing. But I mean, it can also be very frustrating and it's, it can be a very thankless job when your kids get frustrated. I mean, teach your student that can be frustrating and yes. hard things. And so I mean, sometimes I have to tell my husband everything I did that day when he gets home so I can be like, can you please say good job? (laughs) Because, like, the kids are not, you know, thanking me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just, like, it can be, I mean, there are days that are so rewarding, and there are rewarding parts of every day. Mm -hmm. But especially as we're getting close to the teenage years, like, there's also a lot of arguing and, like, questioning (laughs) why I think he should draw this map or do this math lesson or, you know, and so, I mean, that part, I just like, I need Jesus's constant Mm -hmm. help and his constant presence because I can't do it on my own. Then so it's that strength that that comes from that relationship. Yeah. And, um, just that verse in, I think it's second Corinthians that says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And just how God will give us the power that we need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and just his power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm -hmm. That to me, I need that strength. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On the days when you don't tap into him right from the beginning, it's definitely downhill. You know, and that's not even necessarily school related, right? It could be anything. Um, I had written down another uh, quote that I guess uh, Father John Ricardo out of Detroit, Michigan had said, I took it from Sarah McKenzie's book, the gospel isn't about rolling up your, our sleeves and trying harder. The gospel is about tapping into his power. And that's, mm-hmm. that's so important for us as moms. Like we have to lay down our expectations and lay down <laughs> our like lists of what should or shouldn't be done in the day and reorient and, and remember that our kids are mm-hmm. like, if we're created in the image of God, they are God's image bearers. Oh. You know, and mm-hmm. I don't know. He's got them better than we do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need our help. Yeah. Yes. We, he's just asked to work through us. So, for sure. It's 100%, nearly 100% give, give, give all day long. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm not going to, you know, I, I would be lying if I didn't say there's been times over these years when, you know, I, I've definitely considered the alternatives, <laughs> you know, sure. like yeah. next year is going to definitely be a school year, a public school year, you know, and, um, you know, ready to throw in the towel at different times. But it's just in those moments when, as soon as I'm thinking that and having those thoughts, it's pretty amazing when I get to a place of rest that God reminds me why I'm doing this and why I started this and what the end goal is here. And the end goal is for my kids to be so grounded in their faith and who they are, confident in who God has them to be before they go out into, into the world. It's not to shelter them right now. It's really to ground them in their faith. I want my kids to know the truth 
before they're presented with what's not the truth. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I want them to, um, I really want my kids to be a light when we do put them out there, whether it be high school or college or whatever it is. So God reminds me of that every time and, and, and brings me to tears often over it. And then I'm kind of refreshed for the next day. <laughs> I say, okay, we can do this again. <laughs> so... Uh, that's tremendous. What, a, what an amazing testimony from all three of you. It, it, in that relationship with God, first and foremost, uh, leading you, I would imagine that there has probably also been some, some trials of, you know, why, why am I doing this? And you mentioned, mentioned that. And what are some, some lessons that God has specifically taught you about like mothering? Uh, are, there, are there things that you remember they're like, God had to bring me to a breaking point and it was, it was in order that I can better raise my children? Do you have any moments like that you'd be willing to share, I guess? Well, I didn't write anything down about this, but it just kind of came to my mind. I think the more I've known who I am and who God has made me and understood myself, the better I'm able to um, know maybe my limitations mm -hmm. and know how I interact with other people, in the, including my children. You know, so for someone giving a little bit more might be where the God's pushing them. For others, it might be spending a little more time on your own. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so for me, you know, after I had my third child, I was like pretty taxed out with the giving. You know, I was mm. giving so much and not prioritizing myself at all. <laughs> and I, I remember reading a book that was called Ordering Your Private World and it just was really remind like it just really reminded me that my my center needed to be Jesus and I needed to make that my priority and I couldn't let um I couldn't I couldn't be irresponsible anymore. I needed to take myself first in some of those areas. And that sounds selfish, but no. It makes me it's like that putting on the oxygen when you're in the airplane mm -hmm. first for the adult and then giving it to your kids. Yes. Because you, you you can't have an empty tank and handle another temper tantrum or <laughs> you know, poopy <laughs> diaper everywhere or, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a great metaphor. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, it, it, homeschooling has helped me realize and being with my children all day, just how selfish I am mm -hmm. and how much I mm. want to put my own needs first or just sometimes how hard it is to give. And mm -hmm. yeah. so that's really helped me realize Wow, I am really selfish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would think I would. I'm just gonna go go out here uh, and and say it's probably not a realm of possibility to think that members of your family think you're probably the least selfish person, <laughs> probably the most sacrificial. But well, just like when you're like, I really want to do this, but I need to do that. I need to comfort sure. this child right now, and I really don't want them to touch me. Like no, I, no. they are like all over me, you know. But it's like yeah. this child needs love right now, and I don't feel like that. Mm -hmm. And so just like seeing what's really in my mm -hmm. heart and just asking God for, to help me with that. Yeah, that, that takes an incredible amount of spiritual maturation to be self-aware of that, even in that moment, and still being willing to <laughs> give. I mean, I think that, that's a representative of Christ. Uh, because, I mean, can you imagine if, we, if he had the same reaction sometimes as we did in our fallenness, our humanness, to say, oh, they're asking for forgiveness again. I mean, come on. I mean, I just, I don't have it in me today. And I, that's probably a very humble reminder of, of what we're called to. Are those, 
like what are those moments like then? You you all just mentioned like the, there's the frustration, but what are those moments like when you are you are a teacher and now you got to be a mother? And you, how do you how do you deal with that tension? Not well. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's a daily thing. You have to just keep working at it and apologize to your children. Mm-hmm. You know, I think oh, yeah. I I have to say sorry a lot. You know. Oh yes. One of the things that. Um, we were saying this week, we recite different family ways that Sally Clarkson and her husband wrote. And one of the ones is that we worked on this week was we choose to be patient, even when we feel like getting our own way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm saying this to the kids and I say, and this is one that I struggle with, you know, mm-hmm. like I want you guys to hear that I don't always choose to be patient. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's hard. It's yeah. not easy. Having that, having at least being honest, I can imagine it helps with that instead of trying to deny it and shove it in a drawer and say, nope, I can just turn it off and on like a light bulb. It's not a big deal. I think sometimes for me is if my child is frustrated and I have all this stuff I want to accomplish and we are going to finish this lesson by today, just realizing, okay, we have to take a break. We have to stop right now. Mm-hmm. This is, I cannot push them right now. I have such like a driven nature that, it's hard for me, and it's very frustrating. But then you just have to look at the whole picture and say, this is not going to matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why am I pushing this kid? Like, look at their character. Look at, like, let's just let's just try. The, let's take a two-minute break, or let's take, let's let's just worry about this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, sorry, were you going to no. say something, Jess? I, I was just going to say that that... That is a huge piece in homeschooling. We can we can be on this little seesaw of over anxiety, or like on the other extreme, like just negligence, mm-hmm. <laughs> not getting to something, you know. Sure. So like, we have to uh, I know have to ask myself which one do I tend more towards, mm-hmm. and then why? Why am I feeling anxious? Mm-hmm. What expectations do I feel are being put upon me to like? bring about in my child, you know, like, mm-hmm. am I feeling bad that my six-year-old's handwriting is atrocious? You know, <laughs> why? Yeah. You know, is that really in God's scheme right. of things important or not? You know, and then I have to turn to Jess and say, Jess, is it okay that my <laughs> child's handwriting is terrible? Jess you is know? like the handwriting <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and then it's like, well, really goes back down to deep down, is there pride and envy that I'm struggling with? Mm. Right? Am I comparing myself to other people, or am I comparing my kids to other people's kids? And that's sin, and I just mm-hmm. have to call that out. Say I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. I need to remember that God has my child better than I do, and my, my pushing my agenda on them or my anxieties of like they need to have this done by this time or this or whatever it just creates them mm-hmm. into a ten- temper tantrum, meltdowns, tears. Mm-hmm. And there's no learning that happens when crying is going on. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, that's kind of the thing that I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest uh, thing I've learned through the years is you don't have to check everything off the list. I, I definitely have that teacher mentality, and I still give my kids lists every day. But when I started homeschooling, I got so frustrated if we didn't get everything done and they didn't get it perfectly. It, it is my personality in that, but... Helen, she was so kind to give a book to me. Is it called I Wonder? Um, Awaking Wonder. Awaking Wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it has been a blessing and it really helped me to realize the bigger picture here and what's important and you don't have to check it off the list. In fact, if your child starts, you know, with a rough day, what matters most here is I want to do this for my child's character more than them getting this math concept today. So it's yeah. been good for me. Mm -hmm. Honestly, homeschooling has become easier mm. with my oldest kids in the last year or so because I have that mentality. Mm. Like they're going yeah. to get it at in the end. Sure. They're going to be, you know, okay. they're going to know their math and be good readers and all these things. But I want to make sure that they know that they're loved in this day mm -hmm. and, um, you know, more so what God has for them mm -hmm. in this day rather than pushing the academics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, um, your husband, Mike, can attest to how frustrated I get just in the office when I don't get everything done <laughs> and I have to go home with something on my desk. It just eats me alive. <laughs> and, and what it came back to, and I think what we would bond over is that, that need of control of like, it has to be this way. Mm -hmm. And relinquishing that is so peaceful. Uh, and that is, you know, one thing I've experienced. I cannot relate to being a mother or having children at all. I don't know if you have any resources for single guys <laughs> with no children, uh, but uh, it's as having it to be this way, being set so much like in my way that God gets pushed to the fringes. Uh, it's right. no longer His will. Right. So like I can totally relate to that mm -hmm. that struggle and that frustration. But it's really cool to see how it's gotten easier. I would imagine like you add more kids to it. Uh, how does it getting easier? That doesn't make any sense. Well, that part, the the little kids don't make it easier, but <laughs> just, you know, the homeschooling aspect in general, like there were a few people who got started in homeschooling this year and they had those same questions, you know, how do you do it? I don't think I'm capable of doing this. And I said, you just can't worry so much. You can't worry about getting everything mm -hmm. done in a day or that your child's going to get through these books by the end of the school year. It's okay to be flexible. Go into the summer a little bit and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just... It has made homeschooling easier for me to have that mindset. <laughs> I see you're you're pouring through your notes there. Well, I was just thinking, Helen. like, yeah, it's exactly the thought that I was having earlier today, right? We we can let anxiety control us, or we can stop and choose to be thankful, or you know, stop and look, and mm -hmm. and and that thankfulness then counteracts that anxiety, right? Sure. You know, we've yeah. got we've got a beautiful child in front of us who's, you know, just opening up their world really at this point in their life and anxiety is only going to cripple them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a amazing thing about homeschooling is like my kids did not even know that m most people don't do school in the summer until about two years ago. <laughs> mm. And so we would just, I mean, my husband would go to work and so we would just do a little bit each day. Um, and then when we have seasons when cousins come for weeks or we go on a trip somewhere, we can take time off and not feel like we've worked so far ahead or, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. And even now we're kind of going through a little transition where we're just, we're not productive mm -hmm. and that's, that's okay. We're taking a little, we're just, we're putting a little bit of a pause. We're, we're still doing school, but just not the caliber that I like and makes mm -hmm. me feel good, you know, but that's sure. okay. Yeah. And We'll make it up or, you know, we can be a little bit behind and that will be okay. Mm -hmm. Not the end of the world. Uh, what an amazing testimony to hear. There's uh, no school that doesn't have gaps in it. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, we talk about all, each one of our different schooling. You know, we were all schooled in different ways. And each one of us has, like, come across something. And we're like, I didn't know that till I was teaching my kid this, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's no perfect school out there. And so us having any 
fear of making sure our kid has it all before they get to 18. No, like we should let that fear go because it's impossible. Yeah. Well, yeah. then the great thing, I mean, one of the amazing things that drew me to homeschooling was I'm such an input person. I love learning things. And so the idea that I could learn all these things with my son and all the things that I had missed or whatever, like that oh, still yeah. just a- like rejuvenates me, you know? And so I love the learn, like the grammar stuff that I don't know. You know, Helen was talking about this, the scripting. Um, that, I mean, even if you don't know it, you, you learn it as you're going along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, um, so that, uh, that's going to be a great question. So at, at that, at some point, uh, we're all going to have to ask that question. If you have, if you have that experience, what is homeschooling look like past 18? Like what is, what, and given the circumstances today, college, no college costs and everything, what does, what does that look like? Because I can imagine you were all are thinking about it at least at some point. I know that Mike is at least thinking about it already. And so, like, what what does that what does that mean to you all? Looking beyond eighteen, is there is there stuff set up uh, like as? I mean, I don't even know the answer to this question. That's why I'd ask it. Is there anything equivalent to uh, higher education that's that's self taught other than this? Um, learning, you know, watching maybe a lecture on YouTube for free or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, there is all sorts of stuff like that. Even when I was younger, I knew of people that, like, did correspondence college or, you know, classes where they sent away for material and then, you know, came, did it, and sent it back. But um, that book that we were talking about earlier was called Rethinking School. That Susan Susan Weisbauer wrote. And um, she talks about not every kid's end goal or end place is actually going into higher education. Sure. It could be in trades Mm -hmm. or it could be in, uh, you know, a variety of different things, or it could be in something for a while. And then ultimately we want our children to be lifelong learners and to love learning for their whole life Mm -hmm. and to never be closed to keeping their mind open to learning more and to understanding more. And, you know, because it's just like preparing our hearts to have soft soil for God's God's seed, you know, mm-hmm. we need to have soft minds, minds that are just not closed off and mm-hmm. done. I'm done with this. I don't have to do any more, you know. No, we want to be soft to always learning more. So yeah. Yeah, that that would that would that speaks to the the higher calling of just fostering fostering an environment of learning, but that transcends just actual like like a scholastic setting. It's it's also a spiritual setting. Like how how do you keep that wonder? How do you instill that wonder? In, in the gospel, how, how do you how do you say? Well, you know what? I'm curious about curious about what God says about this thing. Like, well, I know how to research that. I have the I have the critical thinking skills uh, my, that my mom and dad both taught me, and I can use the tools at my disposal to discover the answer to that. So, how do you keep that going? Not just in the academic setting, but in the the spiritual life for, for church for learning about the Bible. How do you, as mothers, how does that particular role uh, play in your daily lives? I mean, I would say uh, that we we model it, right? Sure. If yeah. I'm modeling it to my children, then they will follow that same way, just as Jesus modeled what he wanted us to be like when he came to earth, or, you know, he modeled to his disciples. Our role as a mother is a mentor to our children in their in their school and not scholastic, but also most importantly in their spiritual life. And if they see us turning to God, they see us wanting to know more and to read our Bible or to have spiritual input through Bible study or listening to some spiritual podcast. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think they're going to, and hear us talking about it. That's another big one. You know, I try to remember guys, I read this thing and I found it so interesting. And, um, 
yeah. I mean, that's what I saw from my parents, and that's what mm-hmm. got me going, I guess, too, you know? And I think that's that's the most natural way, right? But mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Uh, I try to tell my kids often, you know, of my imperfections or my apologies. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I was talking to Mike about this the other day, and um, I was talking about just kind of this foundation we're giving them, and even though yeah. they see us as imperfect people, I know at the end of the day, my kids realize that, like, you know, we stand firm on the foundation of God's truth, and um, it just kind of goes with modeling that, you oh, know. Yeah. Just and, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, I want them to be confident in that before they move on to whatever the next chapter is or for them, the next thing for them. So... Mm-hmm. If that made sense, no. I think if yeah. that did, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> sure. it does. Yeah. It, when my uh, one of the things that my parents, my, my parents have been married, oh goodness, they've been married now. It'll be thirty-six years uh, this summer, and being an only child, I was forced into social situations, dinners, parties, and it was just me. And so I had to, I had to force, I had forced myself to understand the word politics. Uh, and I didn't know what it meant, but the, 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 that's what the adults talked about all the time. But, you know, being in those environments, the one thing that, that always helped me, it, and it's, it's not something I'd appreciate till much later. And I will guarantee you that eventually, at least hopefully, this, this podcast will be listened to by your children and they will, they will hear and, and understand someday if it, throughout those upcoming teenage years when you can do nothing right. You know, they are right, you are wrong, and that's the end of the story. They will get it. And the reason why I, I could say that with confidence is because of your passion, because of what it's rooted on, which is the gospel. And I think, you know, Jess, you just said something that was so important. My parents modeled authenticity. They did not hide the ugly moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was some stuff, obviously, I wasn't privy to, but my parents weren't afraid to like, argue in front of me. No, it was civil. It wasn't, it wasn't anything bad. And my mom wasn't afraid to say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, that was mm-hmm. my fault. It, it was never played the high ground for the high ground's sake. Mm-hmm. And I, that was so important. I'm only realizing mm-hmm. now, seeing other friends who are now mothers, you know, seeing it through a different lens that it was like, holy cow, like, mom, like, thank you for demonstrating that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is so anti-cultural, I think. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what is vulnerability then played in your relationship with your kids? Is, it, is that something that you find just as important as it was, at least for me? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, my spiritual life, I would say, comes down to certain moments, just even watching my dad be super mm. vulnerable and saying, you know, what I did, that was not right, you know? And and hearing him say that, I mean, he's he's he does everything perfectly. He really is perfectionist. <laughs> he does. But... And so you can know with anyone that's a perfectionist, for them to admit that they're wrong is really a big thing, right? And yes, so, <laughs> absolutely. Um, that's just so huge, so huge. Contrasted to other people that I knew that never apologized or never said that they were wrong, you just, it just doesn't make our faith real. Like, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows we're not perfect, and he wants to change us to be more like him and I don't know. Yeah. Well, in teaching your children how to say I'm sorry, if you don't model that, mm-hmm. that's going to be hard. I know that for one of my children it was really difficult for him to say I'm sorry and so I don't just 
me continually asking for forgiveness and trying to model that for that, not for, for that reason, but I did see, you know, maybe modeling will help this or, you know, mm-hmm. like if we make it more of what we do, it will help him in that area. Yeah. And I mean, I have to ask for forgiveness multiple times every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and uh, for you, for you to at least, uh, to embrace that and not run away from it. Oh my gosh. I, 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 I promise you, your children will appreciate that. That will be something that they will thank you for one day. I, and might not be through their teenage years. That's where we're joking. It might not be then, but it but it will it will happen, especially if you stay steadfast. And I'm not get that's not advice. I can't give you all advice. I have I have no advice to give, but that <laughs> was just that's true. my that's my relationship with my mother. And I'm I'm finding myself now more than ever thanking my mom and my dad for the stuff that, you know, when I was eleven years old, mom, you don't remember this, but you did this. And I'm thinking, I just read this in scripture. Hey, I'm talking about this at my church this weekend. I'm thinking Thank you for that. And they're like, uh, okay, I'm glad you have that memory. But, <laughs> That's um, wonderful. Yeah, they, they, they've done a great job uh, as far as uh, trying their best. Uh, I don't, can't say I did the best uh, being raised by them, but um, one, um, one of the things that I, I have to, I got to get to this uh, in, a, in a second, but as far as where you're at now uh, with, with the size of your families, is, is that something that, you set out on as far as not just not just homeschool, not not just you know wanting to 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 be married and have a family, but you know you all have more children than than what like the average is. Is there a reason like for that? Because like I I when I was talking to Mike, he actually likes having kids, which that seems almost countercultural. Even sometimes in the church, it's like oh you're crazy to have so many. Because Jesse, you have six. Uh, Miriam, you have you have five, right? Do you have five as well? Four. Four. Okay, so mm-hmm. like why? What what is it? What is it about kids? For our, for Mike and I, it's, I, I thought we would have two and be done. Um, we had our third Kate, and I definitely thought we'd be done. Um, and, you know, when you start praying, it can get dangerous <laughs> in a certain, certain way. Sure. And um, God would just every time tell me, like, We're, I'm not done in this area. And sometimes it was terrifying. Mike was always like begging for more, you know. Well, it's easier still, on him, right? <laughs> still, you know, it's texts, you know, another baby, question mark. It's like, I don't think so. Um, but honestly, with Claire, our sixth, I never imagined having six kids. But I, I like vividly remember a certain night thinking we were done and Mike and I had had a conversation and I was out on the couch praying um, that my heart would just feel okay with that. And God was telling me, like, I, I want more for you guys. I want more children for you. And I went in and told Mike that. And, and it's just, I really do feel at peace right now being mm-hmm. done with kids. But I will say that we've just been really open to the Holy Spirit leading us in that way. Mm-hmm. And this is where he's led us to. That's, so again, <laughs> Six kids later. yeah, the, the peace aspect coming back the into peace. it. Yeah. I'm from a family with four kids, and my husband has five, so... And I, there was a five-year gap, but I'm the third of four. I have a brother who's two years younger, but I have two older sisters that are five and seven years older than me. And so I was kind of like an oldest child, but just loving my siblings to death and having so much fun when we were together. And just, I don't know if part of being homeschooled, I was just so extroverted that I always, like the worst thing I could think of was being alone. So just always wanting to have, lots of people around. Like I always wanted to have a big family, but 
you know, like <laughs> I can't control that. Like God is the giver of life. And so just kind of going into it with open hands and um, like being okay, like just after every child trying to be, or being so thankful mm-hmm. and not letting my heart think about the next one or, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't because you're so overwhelmed when you have a baby, you know, but right. even however many years later, you know, just being at that place of contentment and thankfulness and not trying to get to my perfect number or whatever, For you know, sure. just because we, nothing is guaranteed. And so just trying to be really content in whatever number of children the Lord gives us. Yeah. And yeah, that, that, the mystery of like, it's, it's God's decision, right? Yeah. yeah. And for some people that's so elusive, uh, even sometimes in church. And, and so it's like, well, you go until you financially can support it. So like the finances aspect comes into play. Uh, so what is it, what is it with, with you, uh, Helen, like, or is, is having more than just two kids, like the average American dream? Is that, is that also connected to this, this piece of like, why not? Like, this is what God's called me to. I'm one of five kids, okay. so I also had a big family. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. My husband's only one of three. I don't really know. We've, we were done a long time ago, though. We, our, our youngest is almost seven, mm-hmm. so I'm in a different world than these guys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still want kids all the time, though. Yeah. So, let, so you so never what, want what to be that? done, I don't think, yeah, was, what, what, until what, maybe... I'm 55. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what is so. it about that? What, what, what is that for those who don't really understand that? Because not that I don't understand, I, I'm just not in that place. So what is it about kids? What's that X factor of well, wanting more? God created us to create, right? Yeah. To reproduce. Yeah. So it's, it's part of our genetics mm-hmm. to be able to have more children. So we would reproduce. That's, that's the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't, if everybody was like too selfish to have children, the population would stop. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's a huge piece of it for mm-hmm. sure. And then what they are images of God. Like exactly. Matt and I, I remember when he was in seminary, was just like thinking, like, why would I ever bring a child into a world with so much pain? There's yeah. so much hurt, you know. And then you just think about well, what God did, right? He mm-hmm. came to embrace that pain and to and to take it from us when he came and, yeah. and to walk among us. And um, I don't know. I just, I think you can just learn so much from, about God from having children. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, that, that's a great point because he sent his son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he knew what the world was. Yeah. And he actually knew what was going to happen. Right. To his son. Yeah. What a great point. That's amazing. Yeah. There's another, deserves another, oh, uh, no. <laughs> another applause. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep it shorter there. Um, that, you bring up something that's, that's interesting. You said too selfish to have kids. And, you know, I don't think in the church we talk enough about, you know, singleness and what Paul meant when he's talking about celibacy for those who are devoted to ministry. I don't know what life, what that looks like for me. I'm, that's still something I'm praying about and trying to seek peace on all the time. What, what about those those people who, who have been married? And, you know, they said, I you know, it's it's God's, They maybe they've decided like, hey, God's given us this 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 desire we're going to be we're not going to be parents but what about what about those who want to be parents they just they just they want to wait for the right time you know that's like that was what my mom and dad my dad he was a police officer he worked on the SWAT team here in Jackson and he was also a firefighter 
and he worked worked at the ME's office as a death investigator. He was a little biased when it came to what the world was like. He got to see the worst of it. Sure. And and he we lived in the inner city at the time, and so his whole idea was I don't want to bring a kid in here until we can move out. And eventually that melted away. He he sought God's will and now I'm here. But what about those who people, those mothers, those fathers right now? What advice would you give them who are who are maybe just kicking that can down the road, who are just tempted, but maybe we just need a little bit more money, or maybe it'll just be the right time next year. What, what do you have to say? Well, yeah. it's always easier to have babies when you're in your 20s and your 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, it's you just recover faster. You have more energy. It's just, so, I mean, yes, you yeah. will have m- more money if you wait. And not mm-hmm. to mention, I mean, just looking at the statistics of miscarriage, the mm. longer you wait, the harder it is to have kids. So, I mean, not that that's always the medical side of it. There's difficulty even earlier on, but... You know, you have increased risk of miscarriage. You have increased risk of all sorts of things the older and Well, and I think you, you also become a little bit more set in your ways. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah. I think if you are married 10 years before having a baby versus like four or, you know, it, it just it just rocks your world maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say this, though, because yeah. I, all three of us did not struggle to have children Mm-hmm. So you're speaking to a wrong group of people about yeah. this topic. It's a very sensitive subject for a lot of women yeah. because there's a lot of people out there that really struggle to have kids yes. or to be able to maintain uh, the pregnancy. You know, maybe they can get pregnant, can't keep them. So I don't know. I I am beyond blessed with what I have, mm-hmm. and I have to remember that, that I have something that is very precious and I shouldn't, um, I don't know, take it for granted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the... Yeah, like my mom, she she was pretty clam sick with me. I, I was born uh, two and a half months early. Mm-hmm. I was only two two pounds and four ounces. Wow. So yeah, I, I uh in I was in the ICU or well, I, it's not the ICU, whatever the thank the term you. is. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for fifty nine days at Sparrow, and so it was it was rough. And my mom couldn't obviously have any kids after that. Right. Um, she was she was thirty uh, when that when thirty one, and, and my parents they were married for for several years. That was uh they they. <laughs> My dad jokes they enjoyed their marriage before I came along, and <laughs> and, and, and so he, he is joking for the record, um, and and so, you know that was one of their decisions. They waited a little bit longer, you know. And I've I've been and I've had a lot of conversations with with women, and and this this is I think one of those things that that goes against seeking the peace first is this control. And these are like the the motifs of this entire podcast. What are you are you seeking to control? Or are you relinquishing that to God? Are you seeking God's peace or your own? And you know, Miriam, you even mentioned this idea of selfishness. Are you gonna are you gonna give into that in the moment, or are you looking at your children and your rest of your family the way God looks at you and the rest of His family? I know that there are some women that believe that if I don't get married by this time. And I don't get, or I don't have the opportunity to become pregnant. Then it's just, it's off the table. They've just completely removed it for those exact reasons that you, that you two, uh, for the people listening, Helen and Miriam brought up. Uh, what do you, what do you have to say to the, to, to those women who, yes, who are Christians, but they're just, they look at the science, they look at the statistics, they maybe look at their own genetics and say, I, I have to do this, or there's, there's no alternative. Oh, there's so many children out there that are in foster situations. You can mm-hmm. be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. That is such a, that, I mean, or adoption. There's, 
I have a number of friends that have even adopted embryos, people that did in vitro that didn't end up using those oh, wow. embryos and then just took them as what we call snowflake babies. There's so many opportunities um, that, that don't, that, that we can have now that maybe we didn't a long time ago. And just opening your heart to be sacrificial as a mother mm -hmm. is the first step, right? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't happen the natural biological way, there's so many other ways to be a mother. And even if you don't have those, way, those ways, you can still be a mother. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. And there's no guarantees for any, any of us, you know? So mm -hmm. even if you're, if you say, I never want to have a baby after 35, like it, it, it yeah. does happen. And, you know, like you, you kind of have to trust God and, you know, it doesn't mean just because you have a baby earlier than that, that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I, we don't have control over anything. So, right. but I mean, yes, you do have to pay attention to science and yeah. the facts of life. So, yeah. Of course, of course. Now, what um, is is there? And this is where I can't speak to it, but I would imagine, in the same way that you know, men are are tempted into shame and feeling ashamed. What would you say to those mothers who who have adopted, who, uh, who have taken the alternative routes, uh, because that's God's calling, but they're struggling with shame because it is still not their own. Like there's maybe that 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 pride of, I really wish this was you know from me, you know, from that that from that natural, you know, instinctive, uh, you know, motherly, protective, mother bear thing that's like, it's it's not my own. And so when I compare, because, uh, you know, Helen, you brought up earlier about the sin of comparing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's great. Like, you three have all your own kids. You Like you mentioned, you've been all healthy, and that's all because of the grace of God. And there's a fourth mother over here who's adopted kids, but then they're struggling because it's like, I wish... I wish I could have that, though. I wish that was God's plan. What would you say um, to those mothers? Well, I first would try to empathize because I can't imagine what it would be like to be in her place. I mean, she's, I didn't have that, and so mm -hmm. she's, she's justified in hurting, right? It's mm -hmm. painful when you feel inadequate. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, but... She's done something amazing by choosing to still step outside of the norm or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and and embrace loving a child and raising a child in whatever form, you know, and that and also God has adopted us as children, <laughs> there you right? Go. And yeah. so like we have to, I mean, we talk about this a lot, like almost having our own children is a selfish act mm -hmm. when there's so many children out there that don't have a family, um, choosing those that God has already brought to earth is just what God did when he chose us, you know, adopted us as children. So I don't yeah, know. I, I almost feel like that's the harder calling to, to mm. foster or to adopt. And not that it's the easy way out to have your own kids, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you idolize missionaries growing up, you know, it's yeah. the people that like, that is by far the hardest job. And I, I mean, I, I, think you have to ask God to help you love this child because it's so hard mm -hmm. when you didn't birth it, you know, when you mm -hmm. don't have that connection from birth. Or or genetics, right? Yeah. Because yeah, even yeah. adopting a snowflake baby, you're yeah. not going to see in that baby mannerisms that remind you of your father-in-law mm -hmm. that you have in your biological child. Oh, they're doing so-and-so just exactly like so, you know. Yeah. But, but 
they still are a child created in God's image and to be able to love them, like, ah, yeah, it is. That's a great point, Miriam. It really is a higher calling. Yeah, that I, that's one of those things is, is trying to put all, all our eggs in one basket. Like it has to be this way. It's like open, open yourselves up to God's plan. Like the doors he'll open. And it feels like for me in, in my generation, that's, that's so much connected online that it's all, it's, it's so much about uh, looks and appearances. It's not about what is, it's not about the reality as much. And, and so that can certainly be a, a source for shame because maybe 50, 60 years ago, you only had the people in your neighborhood to compare yourself to. Now you have the whole world mm. to compare yourself to. And I can imagine um, the difficulty it is. And I don't, that, that's the thing is I don't see, maybe there is, I don't see a lot of support um, for, I'll say not women in your circumstances, just, and just mothers uh, in general. I don't think we talk about enough uh, about mothers. And I think specifically, you know, I, on Mother's Day, I don't think, you know, sometimes uh, in some churches they, they take they take Mother's Day and they make the mothers do all the work because that's when you do infant dedication. You know how difficult it is to, to dress yourself up, get your kids dressed up, and then you have to take your baby and get them, get them not to be fussy, and then you hand it over to the pastor. That's a lot of work on Mother's Day. <laughs> and, like, I feel like we could do that another day and have give you know, mothers the day off and then uplift them, you know? Uh, do you think the church... Uh, oh, sorry, Jess, what were you going to say? I said that makes sense. Okay. Um, I don't know. That's just my observation. What Do you think the church does enough to talk about these things? Like give, not not support groups. There's plenty of support groups. There's Bible studies. But is there, is there enough outlets for, for mothers in the church who can talk about these things, do you think? Or, I mean, there's podcasts, there's books, but like when it comes down to the one-on-one interaction. I know when I had really young kids, I was okay. part of MOPS International, which is like Mothers of Preschoolers or something is that what it stands Mops for. MOPS International. Yeah. <laughs> that's adorable. Um, and that's like in a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. church settings, okay. but then I think our church um, had has had a mothers group. I think they call it Mom to Mom now, but it used oh, to be called great. like mm-hmm. Mothers Club. Mothers Club, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are there are those kinds of things out there if you're looking for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. But I think also wanting to widen my circle because I think I can talk to my mom friends like with playdates or stuff, mm-hmm. but then wanting to get to know older people or single people or just different people that are part of my church and not just the people that are exactly like me or, Mm -hmm. you know, are in the same life situation. Also wanting to be part of things that are more diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes that's really refreshing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're not just talking about babies. (laughs) Community Bible study, CBS, are you familiar with that? Uh, No, I'm not. Um, It's a Bible study um, at Jackson Free Methodist, though it's not affiliated, women all over the Jackson area, but it's it's all ages. And even though it's a Bible study that we're focused on, whatever we're studying at the time, it I do find that to be really fulfilling and talking to moms of different ages who have grown kids and kids my kids' ages and, and such. So that has been a great thing we've been a part of up until this year with, mm-hmm. with COVID, but we've been a part of that for ever since Jordan was so so that's several years now then yeah so and i think this leads this leads great into one of the questions bringing back around full circle to that balance of you need to fill your own cup before you can be poured out to other people so in in addition to these outlets that you all found which is great by the way that's amazing and i'm glad they're out there because i think that's important for new mothers uh, to know that those resources exist 
what uh, what are some of the outlets you have to do to keep your own sanity? I'm just curious. What are some remedies, hobbies, um, like I, things that you? I have to do? run every day. You run, okay? Yeah, and I mean, paired with that is listening to my audiobook or reading. Okay. And so I'm in a story or I'm gaining knowledge, and it's a really good outlet. Okay. Yeah. Because then I'm not stuck at home all day. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I run as well, so that's awesome. Another yeah. another runner, I love it. <laughs> Oh, I would imagine. How do you get time to do that? I mean, my kids, just, I mean, I just make it part of our morning because oh, okay. we, we work hard and then mom's going to run and you guys are going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so okay. everybody gets break. It's built in discipline time. Yep. We're okay. home all day. Like yeah. there's no reason why there's not time for it. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Helps me not to go stir crazy. Yeah. And it's purpose driven. So it's. And for everyone's sanity, right? Yes. Yes. They're like, please, mommy, can you run now? Can you run? <laughs> like, yep, I'm on it. <laughs> I, I don't have many outlets in the day, but there's one thing I'm pretty committed to. And I just jump on my treadmill just to walk for 15 minutes a day. But it's the 15 minutes that my kids are not allowed to be near me because I really just want to blast worship music, lift my hands in the air while I'm on the treadmill without my kids going, what is mom doing now? <laughs> sure, I want them to see me worshiping sometimes. That's not it. But I just, I need that time to like give myself to God. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just started that probably two years ago. I, I think I was pregnant with Claire when I really started this routine. And my treadmill key... Um, was lost recently by one of, I think it was either the toddler or the baby. Mm-hmm. And I think they threw it away. And oh, I wasn't no. able to get on my treadmill for several days. And it drove me bananas not having that oh, in my day. No. The, the 15 minutes in my day for me time. Um, and uh, I ended up ordering, ordering a new key on Amazon. And then a few days ago, the key showed up in the guitar case. <laughs> now you have two. No. <laughs> so just you in have case. A backup yeah. So anyways, that I, even though it's small, that's my outlet. I, I would like more, but it's just, you know, you kind of plan to like, I'm going to get dinner cleaned up and I'm going to go out. Like I, you know, Mike and I have talked about this. He says, you know, you need, go ahead, go out for a night, Thursday night, whatever it's going to be. Well, you know, you get dinner cleaned up and you're like, I just don't feel like getting out yeah. <laughs> to get out of my sweatpants and put my jeans on. And, you know, so anyways, it's got gotten less and less appealing, honestly, to to be away from the family, as kind of crazy as that sounds. I was starting that for a while. I would go walk around TJ Maxx. That's my, my little like guilty pleasure there. Walk around t- TJ Maxx. But honestly, I'm walking around going, this is so boring now. Like, mm. even though I'm away from yeah. the chaos, like, this isn't any fun. Yeah. So I kind of changed my tune over the years. Yeah. You know, I don't really need the outlet as much as I thought I did because I miss them as soon as I'm away. <laughs> well, that's that's an amazing thing to hear. For some some women, like, what? What do you mean? Like, I I, like that's that's my favorite time of the week when I can get away. Uh, what uh, Helen? Do you have any like outlets that you have that you do? Maybe it's your daily, daily uh, routine. So I am not good about taking time for myself when the kids are awake, but I get up every morning and exercise okay. before people wake up. Okay. So my running happens in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and then you know on days when it doesn't happen, then I have to really make a huge priority to say I'm going to do this. It's really hard for me to stop. Um, but I also work. So that's another thing. I guess it's an outlet. It's a mental outlet. Wow. So I go, um, I work in the emergency room. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I'm glad it's not a chaotic environment. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. What, uh, so what, what's your role there? I'm a physician assistant. Okay. So I'm one of the providers in the ER. So I only work like, I don't know, 60 hours in a month. So it's not a number of hours every week, but 
But that's on top of the hundreds of hours you put in in a month. So yeah, yeah. only, only 16. No, but I'm just saying like it's yeah. not full-time job sure. or anything. It's just part-time. Yeah. But that's an outlet for me, right? Mm -hmm. It challenges me to use my mind in a different way than when I'm using it at home. Yeah. Well, wh how long have you had that position for? Uh, well, since moving here, I've worked in this ER, but I oh, worked okay. in another ER before, and then I worked in primary care before that. So okay. before I had kids. I okay, so you should be, you've continued it. So uh, what what has led you to continue that then and not like give it up? Because certainly you have other priorities. Yeah. That you can make I, I want to give it up a lot. Okay. So I wouldn't. I would be remiss to say that I don't sometimes just want to quit. Um, uh, a couple of different things. One, it's medicine. So if you stop, it's really hard to come back. Medicine's constantly changing, so you have to stay up up to it. Um, and then the other thing is, is like, it's also a calling of mine, right? God okay. put it yeah. on my heart when I was young to want to serve and to help people in their physical needs as a maybe an opportunity to reach their spiritual needs. Mm. And so, you know... Um, it, yeah, but that's why I've kept it going, that, I guess. I don't know. But Helen is yeah. so gifted and so organized that yeah. you would never know that she had worked till four no. the morning before. Oh, or, no, 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 no. True. You know, she no. just, like, she makes, like, you wouldn't even know. If, right. That's not true. If you didn't ask her when she worked last or their lives are so smooth and I'm I have always a, I have a wonderful husband. It's a great team we've got. Uh, <laughs> so that's a beautiful thing. Together. I, that, that that is something that uh, it is. I will just say I've only so I've only known you now. What is it? An hour and twenty two <laughs> minutes. So and I can already sense that 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 bond that that passion. But just that love of the Lord, which is so refreshing. Oh my goodness, it's so refreshing. And I'm I'm so glad that you three have each other oh, to yeah. also to lean on. And imagine oh, yes. a group text over the years and the advice given <laughs> is is a must need an outlet uh, frustration and and maybe some tears or pulling mm -hmm. your hair out moments. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, yeah. how do you maintain friendships then in the midst of all of that? Because like that's something for me is I'm learning as I'm getting out of college and, uh, you know, friendships begin to, you know, uh, not, I would say, dissipate, not for any ill intentions, but you have to be more intentional the more priorities that you add. Obviously, you all are quite busy. So how, how do you stay connected? Like you're not strangers. You are, <laughs> it's purpose driven. Now, obviously, it's, you're in the same area. You see each other, but... In Our those, kids. Yeah. Is, yeah, is it the kids? The, the things the kids are involved in. I mean, we really are doing life together is what it feels like. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been such a blessing. I wouldn't continue homeschooling if I didn't oh, have yeah. them and our our small group of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So the, the, yeah. the kids, we text and say, do you want to do a play date? Where the kids want to get together, but really we want to be together. <laughs> So the kids we really get should just ask. as much yeah. out of it as the kids. The kids will be like, great, they're still talking for a few more minutes. We can play. It's pretty awesome to see. I mean, our three, our each of our oldest kids joined that co-op together, and they're still the best of friends. Oh, that's so, amazing. So yep. all yeah. of our kids, and we all, their ages match up to mm -hmm. each other, and they're all really close. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's like they do like every single. I mean, age? for the most part, okay. you know. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> You know, what um is is when it comes to like this bond that I, I just see that was like one of the things that I was I was really hoping that we would get at uh, during this podcast which we have because it's just so cool to see the commitment and what God can do amongst friendships because they for me that's in my life the the gift of friendship besides like family is the most beautiful thing that I that I've seen uh, and witnessed and to see like the life that I mean, doing life together just like I think that's something. Like, if it's not built on 
Christ in the church, like what what is it for other people? It's a mystery to me, you know, when it comes to other parents that hang out and who are friends. It, it just seems like there might be a missing piece that you know there's that that connection when you're a Christian and you're trying to you know raise your children on biblical values. Now, I would imagine that 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 gives you an ease when you ask somebody else to take your kids, right? Oh, mm-hmm. or or you you find a babysitter who's also a Christian. Can you speak to like that deeper bond? I mean, not just amongst mothers, but just amongst parents when you have that Christian connection. Your question just made me think of this Bible verse. Okay, so I had to look it up because I don't remember the reference. But Second Corinthians two fifteen: For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. And uh, when I was in school, there was a friend of mine who who said she would kind of like, with her friends that were also believers, like sniff the air and be like, I can smell the aroma of Christ from you. And that is like what I feel when I'm with my really close friends, right? Christ mm-hmm. is in their life, is active and is um, thriving in their life. And so, you know, that is so refreshing. And that's that's the immediate bond that you can have mm-hmm. that you know, you want then that aroma to spread to other people. Um, I would say that's what comes to my mind. Just being so like-minded, it's so helpful, you know, and I sit and I watch our kids play and it brings tears to my eyes. Mm -hmm. We were at the park the other day and I I think I was telling you that, Miriam, I had to go snap a picture of this large group of kids that are literally growing up together. And um, all of our families feel so like-minded in how we want to raise our kids. And so knowing if when my kids go to the Hills house or the Jin's house that, you know, they kind of do things the same way. They have the same mindset. They value the same things. That's mm-hmm. so important to me because they are helping to shape and mold who my kids become also. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful thing. And Bill to partake in that and share it and share in that. That's the, thank you for sharing that, that Bible verse. What's that reference? Uh, oh, second yeah. Corinthians two fifteen, I think is okay. what it was. That's good stuff tonight. Breaking yeah. open the Bible and everything. Um, <laughs> The last, like, last few, like, the points I want to make is just for the people I've had. It's for the people that that I know in my life um, who, again, are expecting mothers, and who are, you know, either either just had kids, and and so for the, for them, what are some of the, you know, and these these are Christian women. Like, what are some of the the bigger piece of advice for the first first child or the child's just going to start to go into. Um, that school age, what advice do you have for them? A lot of the fear and trepidation and uh, pressure that I would imagine any parent but that would put on themselves. Uh, what, from a motherly standpoint, what, what advice are you, are you giving them? Let's say if they're coming to you like, hey, can, I need some advice here. I need some perspective. Like this is, you know, I'm seven months pregnant. What's, what's life going to be like in three months? Or <laughs> how do I deal with this? You know, my, I have a nine-month-year-old going crazy right now. Like what, what do you, what would, what's some words of comfort would you give them? Well, it's a few different questions. Yeah, yeah it there's is. a I lot mean, there. For one, just enjoy everything. Enjoy. When I mean, before you have a baby, like you can have things planned out how you think it's gonna be, but mm-hmm. it's not really gonna always mm-hmm. go ex- at all how you think. So, um, as far as kids going through different things, I mean, everything is a stage, and so if you can enjoy the stage, it will. You will get through it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. As far as school, I mean, you can always try something, and if it doesn't work, you just 
change. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're, you're right. not like signing away your child's life for the next year. Of so course. find what works and what you're passionate about and what people you know are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I would say, I mean, totally all of those things first. One one other thing that came to my mind in this day and age is stay away from social media yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's the downfall of all of us um, mm-hmm. in the sense of like just I'm not, I'm not being a little bit facetious in that way, but like obviously you can have some access to social media because that's how we connect on certain groups or whatever, but if our focus is there first over things that are really you know, God's word has to come first, you know, because you're going to just end up always feeling a failure or feeling like, I don't know, you know. In, 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 inadequacy again. Yeah. 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 Or just a time suck. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would just say take it for all God has it to be. I mean, I was thinking about when we were talking about why have children at this age versus waiting? Why have more tr- children versus having a couple children? Um, I don't think that women who haven't experienced it yet realize the blessing that comes in it. And I think of myself and some of the moments that I have been closest to God have been in my pregnancy or delivering that child or Mm -hmm. when that child is in my arms afterward. It's like, I believe, Lord, (laughs) you are the only one who could do this inside of me, create this miracle. And, um, Every pregnancy, it's, I've never, I'm just as amazed every single time. I mean, with that sixth, I would still lay there so many nights saying, you've got to feel this baby move, Mike, when obviously we felt five others move in my belly, but I'm always amazed, and that's when I, I have felt closest to God. So I think just like taking it all in for what God has it to be, to be a mother, to have a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. I have a friend who had kids before us, and she would say, life with kids is in living color. Before Mm. kids, it was black and white. But Mm. just this, you know, dimension that you just would never even realize. Mm -hmm. Being able to, like, experience things again through your child's eyes and Mm -hmm. and seeing a new perspective on life and, like, huh. And I would imagine also learning things from your your kids, too. It's probably a shock for some people. it's just incredible to just like have this child that is from you and your husband and it's just I mean it's the weirdest thing ever (laughs) my son passed me in height this week oh my yep oh he's taller than me oh goodness and uh I mean I'm not short I'm not tall I'm like medium average height (laughs) no I don't know but to just have something be bigger than you that like was once a baby you're like whoa you know I still remember, too, the first time, like, he was six weeks old and thinking, he's been out of me for six weeks, and he's only eaten something that came from me. Like, the breastfeeding was just like, what a miracle. God Mm -hmm. can make him stay alive, you know. He doesn't have to have anything other than what my body's making. I don't even know how to make it. It's just making it on its own. Amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. You know that that's that's particularly thing. I will I will let you have have that particular experience. <laughs> well, that's what you really yeah, think. Yeah, I got I got nothing there. But you know, I but I understand like what you're saying. It's it's that uh, well, I don't understand. I can put myself in your shoes to a point of like that that the miracle. It's yeah. it, it's a miracle, and that's that's something my mom has said in in, in the same very similar language mm-hmm. over the years of of just that that moment 
when like she reached through and I, I grabbed her, grabbed her little pinky, her little finger. And it was, it was just that moment of that, that child or this thing is of God. It's not, it's not just an evolutionary mistake. It's not just something that, that is, and it's happened by accident. So like, that's cool to see that same language that you all, you all through the lens of God, are describing because like that that's exactly what my mom has said over the years. I like, think that's really cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think that being becoming a mom has grounded me more than anything ever could. Mm-hmm. And um, when you, when you say grounded, what what do you mean by that? I, just okay. like grounded me in my faith. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like an extension of my faith that I didn't know it was possible. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I can't. Maybe I can't explain that further, but. I feel like my spiritual maturity, just who I am as a person, the maturity has just like, has this different dimension from like raising these kids, seeing like, really it is like looking into their eyes and knowing that God made them and has plans for them and knows all of those plans ahead of time, like gives me chills, knowing that he knows exactly what these kids will do and that like we're, we're trying to raise them up a certain way so that they can hear the voice of God and do just what he's calling them to. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of like a goal in this. Yeah. And I would imagine this, the added responsibility, uh, it puts things into perspective too, that if you're trying to raise your children you know, in a godly home, but you yourself are, or, or find yourself straying and not maybe praying, not getting in your Bible more, it's maybe that conviction, I would imagine, uh, rings a little bit more closer to home than it would have prior Absolutely. Uh, when you have people looking to you, those little eyes looking up at you, and like, oh, my goodness, that responsibility, that weight mm-hmm. is, is a lot is a lot more now than it was. Absolutely. It still is a choice, though, right? Sure. You know, like, yeah. for sure, motherhood can be the saving aspect of us, but Jess has then continually chosen to let it be the choice she makes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you can see people decide at any point in their life to walk away from their faith, even when they do have kids. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just... Surrounding ourselves by people that are walking in Christ um, continues to keep us going. Like I think Miriam said at the beginning, you can't do this alone. Homeschooling, but even just like parenting, you know, it really takes a village. And, you know, if you can choose who that village is in the sense of like the ones that are closest to you to be the ones that are supporting you through that journey, it really can make a huge, huge difference. Mm -hmm. So. And then it's incumbent upon, I would say, the rest of the church to uh, surround those who may, might not have that situation for, like, smaller churches. Mm-hmm. I, I know the, the church I pastor, uh, there, there is there is a husband and wife, and you know, they have two boys and they have, and, and a daughter, and they're the only ones there. So I don't, they're in a small community, so trying to, to see, like, when I... When I picture like this podcast, I, I th- I'm thinking of her uh, as like as a person that that could relate to what you're going through uh, is like in raising your children that that struggle, but also that reward. But when I'm thinking of myself, like how do I how do we as a church help them out who who might not have the same opportunity? And I think this will be very very helpful. I think in because I think all of your answers point back to scripture and to God first and seeking that peace. Because again, I think if we if people listen to this podcast and say, well, great, I don't have that support. I don't have those genetics. I don't have that right now. So therefore I must be missing something. But I think at least all of us are trying to say is that, yeah, that that might not be your story. Uh, If you seek God first and seek that peace, 
than your role as a potential mother or a parent. Like that's going to be the the story that God's going to write for you. He's not going to write you for somebody else, right? I would I would imagine that would probably be our. I mean, I would I would say that's probably the takeaway uh, for those people who don't have the same circumstance. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's very very encouraging. Oh, last thing I want to I want to ask real real quick is for from the mothers that I, I have I've seen. You know, and in fact, I've actually had to unfriend a couple of of people uh, for this exact reason. And it's this this new Christian. It's like it's this it's this progressive Christian movement of self care. It's this devaluation of like God and uplifting of the the self. And it's like connect. It's like wholeness through connecting with nature or being fit. And it's the post pregnancy body that it's like oh. Some women, I understand, like my, my, my mom, she had a C-section. You know, she wasn't going to wear a particular bathing suit any longer, you know, after that. And, and so, again, the comparison game, social media, you've, you've already warned. Uh, you are, Helen, you've already talked about, like, stay off of social media. But this, there's, like, this new movement of I'm a mother. I've got to look this certain way after my pregnancy. I've got to do these certain things. I've got to listen to this uh, particular program, read this book. And it's all for me. It's all for self-care. And it's moving away from, like, the Bible. So they're still trying to solve this, this idea of, like, I still need to be fulfilled. But they're putting it in these, these like, I would say religious things, but they're not Christian. So what would you say to, to those, those people and those mothers who are kind of caught up in this, this idea of self-care? Like, I have to, the things that I have to do for myself... Uh, are that are not biblically based. Does that make sense? Because I'm I'm starting to see that, and I'm I'm starting to see like this. I have to meet this standard. Are, are you referring to like the super mom? I don't. I yeah. guess I'm a little bit confused as to what you've seen. Yeah. Like I, that she has to look and be perfect, kind of like yes. one of those. That's what I'm I'm getting at. I'm sorry. It's no I don't no know no. How to but what, there's like the is it the Bedford wives or what what is that like or Stepford wives? I yeah. think right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they like. I don't know, but yeah. That's um, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah. I guess I haven't necessarily seen that in other religious contexts, but but I yeah. I would probably I had written down this Bible verse, so I'll read it. It that if we are not looking at social media or if we are looking at social media and we're being exposed to different ideas, Romans twelve, one to two, so important to keep in mind. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm. And like, I wrote this when I was thinking at the time, though, really, it isn't just only about something secular or not secular, right? Okay. It could yeah. be with even in our Christian friends. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. They're saying something and you're like, should I believe that? Should yeah. I go along with that? You know, we have to constantly bring ourselves back to testing and, and, and thinking through the logic behind what people say and believe and, you know, and then be willing to say, no, I'm not going to go that route, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think a key to that verse is the renewing of your mind. Oh, yeah. I just think of like going through high school being a girl and then even going through college and 
as you mature and grow closer to God, that like whole renewing of your mind, you just don't care anymore about the same things you used to care about. I just want to be healthy yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, for God and for my family and for myself. But yeah, I think that's the key. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, the not caring aspect. And that that's, that is one of the things with the social media aspect I've seen is that there is that care. They, they can't, it's that, we can't, I can't let go of that like, and that, uh, that affirmation that oh, I'm yeah. getting. That's oh, yeah. why that the social dilemma is so good. Yes, Have you is. seen oh, yes. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. The social dilemma, yes, amazing Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It actually made me think so much about Max Lucado wrote a book a long time ago. I remember someone when we were in college actually read it during a chapel service. And I think it's called You Are Special or something like oh, that. Oh, I have it. Isn't it? And, and it's book? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like about these puppets and they get like dots if they're bad and gold stars if they're good right and and then those that go to the creator the puppet maker who's you know obviously the allegory is Jesus there or God um those don't stick the stickers the hearts oh sorry the stars and the dots don't stick on those people they fall right off and and that's that is the perfect allegory for anyone Mm -hmm. in this day and age like we have to remember who are we going to for our our affirmation and are you know are we letting the things that someone said about us that are negative affect us or are we remembering that God created us and loves Mm -hmm. us just how we are and you know he definitely changes our our eyes and I I was recently thinking a lot about and, and you two absolutely came to mind and another friend of mine um just how beautiful women are when their hearts are you know just in love with God. And it's just like, I don't know. I I just love thinking about like this progression as we get older and what beauty is to us now. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of Mm -hmm. my closest friend that I grew up with. She was the maid of honor in my wedding. She, she has the, such a beautiful heart for God. And I was thinking about her one day, just thinking like, what a beautiful human she is all around. It Mm -hmm. makes you so beautiful everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That that uh, that I think is probably one of the most countercultural things mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when it comes to this. You're setting a standard that goes far beyond like what your outward appearance is and just what's you know it's just skin deep at yeah. that point. Um, well, especially if you have well with your kids, just what are you modeling? Yeah. <laughs> are you modeling oh, your goodness, selfies yes. on Facebook mm-hmm. and you know like what what do you want them to be doing? I know. <laughs> it's so hard for me to understand Christian mothers our age that still <laughs> care about that. <laughs> I cannot understand it. Yeah. I think it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. that proverb, uh, beauty is fleeting, charm is deceptive. deceptive. Yeah, or deceitful. Yeah, yeah. but the, what, the who woman who fears the Lord, Lord is to be praised, you know? And to just think about that, like, if we focus on beauty, if we look at our body and are like, shoot, these kids have just torn it apart, I will never be the same again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth it. You have kids. No, no, no. But like, if it's you focus on yeah. that, sure. then you like, you will be so dis- like discouraged. Yeah. But if, I don't know. It's yeah. so I, much easier said than done, though. And I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not the best asking all these questions, but that is, I think that that is the, the, the thing that's that's seen the most in, in my my particular experience is, is it's achieving the standard of it's like 
fighting off the, not the inevitable, but it's the stuff that, you know, that doesn't really matter, but they're, it's the embrace of that. And it's this, don't you know that that isn't, that's not the most important thing. Sure. And yeah, the, yeah that's the, that's what I was kind of getting at is like, I, I've had this pregnancy, I've had this kid, body doesn't look the same. What can I do in my control to look better for my husband? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for this audience, mm-hmm. like what, what do I care? So I had to unfriend somebody because of what they were posting and the lack of clothes they were wearing during their workouts. I'm like, I can't see that. One mm-hmm. is a single guy, but also what does your husband think? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and, and I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to judge that person. That's, uh, that's not, uh, cause I don't know their motives in posting that, but it's like, you know, if I, I can't see that, it, you know, Miriam, you brought up a good point of like, what is that doing for your children? What, what mm-hmm. modeling? And I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't, I'm not going to say that it's wrong. I want to say, what's the purpose behind it? And what is your motive sure. for putting things on Facebook or, you know, comparing yourselves or trying to achieve this beauty standard? What are you sacrificing in that pursuit? Right. And I think yes. that this is exactly plans that the enemy has. I mean, he wants the focus on you, you, you. So it takes your eyes off of him, him, you know, yeah. Jesus. So yeah. Yeah. I, I continue to, you know, I continue to have a conversation of there's only the two powers, like I was telling you, Michael, the two powers we're living for. And, you yeah. know, we're choosing to live for God and, and the motives that are behind him. And, or we're choosing to, to give in to the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no middle ground here. Right. No, that, that's 100% right. It's like, you, who is at the center of your life? It's, it's either going to be God or it's going to be something else that's not God. That's there's, right. There's not like, well, it's 99% God. No, there's always one center. Right. That's great. Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, maybe the generation that came before us, I mean, I don't know for your mothers necessarily, but exercise and taking care of your body maybe wasn't something that stereotyped that generation. (laughs) And, you know, I remember even reading some books that were written by pastors during that time period, and they were saying, women, don't just let yourself go once you have family, you know? And I feel like we've kind of shifted to the complete other opposite, right? Where, you know, if you're still not in certain size pants, then you're not, you know? And, and, and so, it is better that we're exercising because health is better if you exercise. Sure. But what's the motivation? Is yeah. it fear of being fat or taking care of our body because it's God's temple, right? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> yes. you know. Well, and just how much of, like, after you have a baby, like, you just kind of naturally shed. I think sometimes reading those books, it was like, if I don't exercise, I will be fat. And it's like, actually, your body will just do its thing. And like, if you don't try to control it, it will just happen yeah. if, I don't, I mean, everybody is different, but. Yeah. There's that control word again, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, trying to hold on. When we, uh, I it. feel like when I try to control, it never goes the way <laughs> I want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is true. Well, I, I, that, that's some great takeaways, I think. Uh, for tonight, especially for for those out there who, this is going to be new for them, and you know, and I'll, I'll say you know, it, it's funny as you mentioned real quick, Ellen, that uh, you know those people, you know, telling women they shouldn't let themselves go. Well, us men have no problem letting ourselves go. I can <laughs> tell you that, and the, I think that it exposes another double standard in, in a way. Is that you have you mentioned you have this new age feminism, which which is m- very much championing, you know, that 
that idea of like, I'm going to uphold this, this image and I'm going to do it because that's empowering to me. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of me's in there. There's a lot yeah. of self and not saying that we can't find that middle ground when the, when the pendulum swings, you know, inevitably from all the way from the right to all the way to the left, you know, where, where is the, where's that, where, where is the, I would say the, the fair assessment of things of, I can still do this. I can still take care of my body. I can do that. But where's my motive? Mm-hmm. Am I seeking to try to control or control this narrative that I put out there for other people? You know, because I would imagine that would be a source probably of judgment. I, I know that at least uh, my my guy friends, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of envy. And, and still, as, as guys, we, have, we can't escape that five-year-old mentality of I can run, run faster and jump higher and I can still do that 20 years later. It's stuff that we that as guys, that competitive nature, and I know that exists amongst women. It's much different uh, amongst women, but I know that 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 comparison game can be ugly. It's divisive. Yeah. You know, really separates people out, too. It's Mm -hmm. it's ugly. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you all. I I had had, several other questions that I could ask, and the thing is I might just have to ask you all back on at some point again. <laughs> and and, and uh, before we go, uh, what were the some of the resources, which I'm going to write down for myself, what was the name of the author uh, for uh, for those who want to get connected with more resources about? Well, there's Sally Clarkson. Uh, okay. And how do you spell her name for those listening? Sally, and then C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Okay. Then Sarah McKenzie. Excellent. And uh, which one, um, then, Helen, you mentioned a podcast they have? Both of them. Both of yeah. them have a podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. At Home with Sally and the Read Aloud Revival. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And then uh, the other book was Susan Wise Bauer. I think. She's like the okay. pioneer of classical education, yeah. homeschool. Susan is? Susan Wise Bauer, okay. yeah. Excellent. Because I, I like being able to leave people with some stuff that they can check out and do their own research. And and uh, really, you know, dig down into like what led you all into this, and what what an amazing, amazing thing! I, I cannot thank you all enough for sacrificing your time. You're the MVPs in your household. I already know that. <laughs> and and to you step away for a couple hours, uh, this is this has been so awesome and edifying. And I th- I believe uh, people will go away better, uh, and I know I'll go away better from hearing this. So. If not, uh, uh, just us four. But I will say congratulations. You are all podcasters now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank you. No problem. I hope you all have a magnificent night, all right? Thank you. Thank you so much to Jess, Helen, and Miriam. Once again, what an amazing time I had. And I hope that this was something that you all found incredibly helpful and edifying. If you would like to hear or see from these ladies ever again, or do you want to connect with the show in any way, please email us at wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Post your reviews on Apple, Google, Spotify, anything that you think would be helpful, a topic, suggestion, any feedback will be something that I will take to heart because once again, this is a journey that's done collective. It's not done in isolation. Thank you guys so much. May God bless you and forever keep you.